Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitsa.com, and let us know what He's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitsa.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. Well, all across America today, there's an obsession with watching reality-based TV show like Survivors or Dual Survivor or Naked and Afraid. And to win these contests, you've got to outwit, outplay, and outlast all of your other contestants. It's a test of endurance, and it's a fight to the finish. Those who participate have to sacrifice sleep, convenience, and face many, many hardships. So what do you think is the name of the oldest, longest-running, reality-based survival contest in America? Motherhood. And a big amen from all the moms. All the moms-to-be moms, grandma, stepmom, would you stand up? And I want to pray for you this morning all over the auditorium. Thank you. Stay, stay standing. Good and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you today for moms, for grandmothers, for great-grandmothers, aunts, neighbors, and every wise and kind woman you've put into our lives. We're grateful for the many ways they have nurtured us. We pray this morning for the mothers in our midst and ask for your blessing over each of them. We pray for expectant mothers and thank you for the joy and excitement of new life. We ask for your protection over these moms and their babies. We pray for mothers of infants that you would give them endurance for the daily task of feeding, diapering, and caring for their children. We pray also for mothers of young children that they would have patience for the endless questions that come to those young minds trying to make sense of their world. Refresh them by your Spirit and help them model to their children the love they receive from you. We pray for mothers of teenagers. Lord, we pray for them, that they would have the discernment to know when to speak and when to listen. Give them confidence that you're at work in their children and that you hold their children's future in your hands. We pray for mothers of rebellious or wayward children. As they pour out their grief to you, they would find hope and encouragement and remind them of your love for their children as a love that exceeds even their own. We pray for mothers facing special challenges, parenting children alone or mothering children with disabilities or illness. Give them an extra measure of grace, we pray. Surround them with a community that can support and love their children and them. We pray for mothers who have lost children. Comfort them in their sorrow and use them powerfully in your kingdom to comfort others who grieve. We pray for those who long to be mothers. Give them grace to receive the blessing of each day with joy and satisfy the desire of their hearts with good things. And where our mothers in some cases have wounded or disappointed others, give us grace to forgive. For every mother here who carries any regret or guilt, we pray that you would meet her in that place of failure with forgiveness and mercy for the past and grace to move forward towards your love. Thank you, Lord, for the love and care of mothers 
Their love feeds our souls and gives us a small glimpse of the overwhelming love you have for each one of us. We pray this blessing over every mom here today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. You can be seated. Happy Mother's Day. We're in a series called The Pursuit of Happy. And we've learned a lot of things. Like happy is not a goal, it's a byproduct. If you try to make happy your primary purpose in life, you never get to happy. But if you aim for meaning, you get happiness thrown in as a byproduct. Then we looked at the happy illusion. If I just had that car, if I just had that job, if I just had that house, if I just had that position or that income or that body, I'd be happy. But it never does. So we're going to look at what might be the number one obstacle to real joy. The reason I can't be happy today is I cannot let go of the pain, the grief, the hurt, the sorrow, the anger, and guilt from yesterday. So I want to talk about getting past your past. And everybody in this room has something in your past you'd love to get rid of, but you can't. So think to your own self privately, what's one item from your past that you most need to let go of if you're going to be joyful today? Maybe it's a divorce, maybe a relationship that broke up, maybe you got betrayed, you're still bitter, maybe you had an abusive parent or a broken relationship with a child and you're still carrying it around, maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an addiction that you keep falling victim to. And I've talked to some others. Maybe it's a business partner that you're having problems forgiving. Or maybe you feel like you've lost the great opportunity of a lifetime and it's gone forever. So what's the one area this morning you need to let go of to get past your past? Because so many people are just lugging their past, and they can't get past it today, and it's just killing them. Fred got home from golf a lot later than normal, and he was extremely tired. His wife noticed, and she asked him if he had a bad day at the golf course. He said, well, yeah, I did. Initially, everything was going great till Harry had a heart attack and died on the 10th tee. Well, that's awful, said his wife. To which Fred replied, you're not kidding me, for the entire back nine, it was hit the ball, drag Harry. Hit the ball, drag Harry. Well, as crazy as that sounds, a lot of people in this room are like that. They wake up and drag their past. They get married for the third time and drag their past. They enter a relationship and drag their past. So you have to ask yourself today, really, do you really want to keep doing that? Duh, huh? Or as Elizabeth Taylor said to her ninth husband, I won't keep you long. I mean, <laughs> do you want to keep repeating habits and mistakes from your past? Are you going to allow people who hurt you in your past to continue to control your mind and life today? 
You're a grown adult and what daddy didn't get you a dog or somebody left you or uh, was more abusive and loving to you. I get it. Man, do I get it. I come from a divorced home. I was raised by grandparents. I understand your dilemma, but I'm not going to let the bad behavior of my father or my mother dictate how my future is going to go. And you should not either. And I'm going to tell you a secret nobody will tell you. Nobody else cares because everybody else has got their own problem and their own deal. They got to get work through. So you sit there and mourn and complain and feel sorry for yourself. And you're the only one being tormented. And the person you hate the most isn't even bothered by it. How many of you know that's just stupid? Don't let them win. Don't do that. We're in the kingdom. We've got a lot of ammunition here. We've got a lot of ways we can win this thing. And I don't want you to sit there being a victim. I had a 67-year-old man I'm familiar with, and his father left home, and he's still at 67. He's a counselor, a Christian counselor, and he still sucks his thumb. I, I guess I'm too military, and I am compassionate, believe it or not. But my point is, I just look at that, and I thought, what a joke. Where's, where's the power of God? Where's, where is that in anything I'm hearing? You're excusing your lousy life because of something that happened 40 years ago? Get over it, Percy. You're absolutely, amen. Get up here and preach, Percy. I'll just sit there. How many of you know that doesn't make sense at all? We could all have a loser's limp and excuse our poor performance, bad attitude or behavior on something that happened to us in our past. But I got to get on by that if I'm going to have a great life or a great future. Or do I, do I want to torture myself thinking about how great my life would have been if circumstances had been different? And the truth is, you're never going to have the life God wants for you to have if you don't learn how to navigate your past with grace and with truth. So we're going to learn how from the Apostle Paul, and that's in Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. He says, not that I have already obtained all this, I hadn't yet arrived, or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul said, the past is behind me. I can't change that. The goal of the person that God wants me to be is in front of me. So Paul refuses to allow his past to interfere with his pursuit of the future. I'm not going to let my bad fathering daddy and abandoned daddy make me a bad daddy and an abandoning daddy. If anything, it made me a better one because I don't want my children to live without a daddy. And I want to be the example for my kids. I'm not perfect by any chance. If you need any, I know some of you find that hard to believe, but Cindy's over here and she'll help you. She's probably got a profile on me already. I, I have many, many flaws. I'm aware of that. So Paul says, I choose that the power of God, not the power of my past, is going to be the guiding power of my life every day. You know, there are people I know that should be emotionally crippled, maybe by the way they grew up, by the family situation of neglect. I'm thinking of one family involved in incest, substance abuse, and yet they are not 
walking zombies. They have stable marriages and lives. They are productive, they serve, and they're joyful. They were determined that God would bring good out of their terrible story. Man, I love these people. All of them made the decision their past would not be dragged into their future. They formed an unshakable resolve that they would not let sin and darkness win. And that's what I want you to have today. I'm not going to let that thing that happened, whether it was to me or by me, rob me of the great future I have. The Bible says in Romans, the gift and calling of God is irrevocable. God has not changed his mind about you, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've been in. It still stands. It's absolutely unshakable. So Paul says, there's one thing I do. What is it, Paul? Forgetting what's behind. I press forward to win the prize for which God called me. And that press is like in basketball, go Spurs, go. 2.30. I should have put that in my Mother's Day prayer, but I didn't. But anyway, I'm believing for it. You know what a full court press is. They come down to the, the as soon as they take the ball out of bounds, the, the, the opposing team rushes down to press them to keep them from getting down the court. It's really aggressive, right? So Paul says, man, I am straining. I am pressing forward to win the prize for which God called me. Now that is a choice, not a feeling. And the people that are pressing don't feel like it. They just decided, I'm going to do it because the consequences of living in my past, that's too great. I'm not going to pay that price. I'm going to put a full court press on this deal. And yet, so many people refuse to make that choice. They live as though they're victims of their past. Hope my resentment goes away someday. Hope my guilt goes away someday. Hope my regret goes away someday. Hope I just wake up some morning and it's gone. Well, you're going to wait the rest of your life. Paul said, if I don't get anything else right, this I will. I choose not to be chained to my past. I forget what is behind. This is one thing I'm going to get right. And when Paul uses that word forget, it does not mean to erase it from your memory. That ain't going to happen. God doesn't erase the past. He redeems it, right? I, I remember being with T.D. Jake some years ago. We were on the platform preaching together. And I remember he said, how do you know when you've actually forgiven somebody? And he says, when the memory of it doesn't hurt anymore. So it's something you have to work at for quite a while. Because remember, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. And anytime that bad memory comes to your mind and brings, evokes in you uh, anger, resentment, bitterness, or emotion, then you need right there to say, I choose to forgive that person in Jesus' name. You, at, how long will it take? I don't know. You do it as long as it takes. How do I know when I'm done? When it doesn't hurt to remember it anymore. I've had people defraud me, steal from me, whatever in the past. I have never forgotten one of them. <laughs> I forgave them. But I ain't stupid. I didn't forget. I don't have any pain about it. Does that make sense? I hear some of the silliest things taught. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. It means, well, you'll see in a minute, it means I don't seek revenge. I lay down my right to get even. And I'm going to tell you, for some of us high testosterone people in this room, women too, that's hard. Because I want a piece of you in my flesh. 
in my natural man, unsaved, I want to go to the dark side. I want to pull a dirty, hairy Clint Eastwood on you. And that's true. I mean, that is without any, any reservation. My wife will tell you that's just true. But it's just the grace of God to restrain me to make a choice. And I'm going to show you, you can make the same choice as well if you want to. So if I don't reflect on my past and learn from it, I'm never going to get past it. You know? So I learn from it. You, you wonder, you look at something, you wonder, man, you've been doing this for 35 years. When, what'd you learn? Nothing. Nothing. And, the only, and you blame everything else in the whole world on everybody else, and you're the only person that keeps showing up in all these problems. Duh. Okay. So God won't erase the past. He redeems it. And if I don't reflect and learn from it, then I'm never going to get by it. So I become wiser and better so I can let it go. Now, if you don't learn from a past relationship, you're not going to succeed in a new one. Because the one constant in your past and future in every broken relationship is you. Well, he and he and he, you chose him. So where's the problem? The wiring problem's in you. I talked to a preacher in another state who's been my friend for nearly 30 years, and his second wife has now left him. And you, this is a wonderful man by all outward extremes. But his ability to choose a wife sucks. And I said, I almost said his name. I, I said, what? I said, whatever. He, you know, he's very biblical. And I said, well, whatever paradigm you're using to make a selection, I would hope you would agree by now. It's flawed. Would you call me? I'll help you. <laughs> okay. He finally said, yeah, I guess so. It's, I, people get so religious on that. And I just thought, does it ever occur to you that something broken in you keeps picking these people who abuse you? Pamela Anderson in Malibu, I've, I've met her. Uh, she was in a church that no longer exists there, but it ain't because of her. It was because of a, the leader. But the, but the point was, she kept choosing. I, 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 I met Dr. Henry Cloud, who's an author and clinical psychologist there, and wrote a number of great books called Boundaries. And he said, honey, you just keep picking these abusers. You know, you went from one, Tommy Lee, to, to um, can't remember. I see him. He's a singer, country singer. Uh, Kid Rock, yeah, or whatever. And I said, there's something in her that's picking these people, and that's not going to change until you get fixed. It's in you, right? Okay. Uh, I hope you're interested because I don't know how to, how to relate to this silence. Uh, is anybody thinking with me? Okay. Or you have the same financial pattern over and over and over. No matter how much money you get or whatever, you, it's never enough. You have to ask yourself, what is the role of money in my life? Why do I have this overwhelming craving just to keep spending? Proverbs 26, verse 11, as a dog returns to its vomit, fools repeat their folly. Put that on your refrigerator. That's pretty graphic. That's appalling. Why would you go back to wrong behavior that did you so much harm again? by making those same bad choices again. You know, the benefit of making a mistake or failing is to say, okay, boy, I'm not doing that again. That's the hopeful result. That's where we hope you'll go to. So forgetting means I refuse to permit what happened yesterday to keep me from pursuing spiritual growth today. 
This one thing I do, Paul said. My past will inform me, but it won't deform me. My past will educate me, but it will not devastate me. I'm going to learn from it. Now, bad things from your past involve one of three causes. Here we go on the screen. First, my bad. That's what I do. I did it. I caused it. Second, your bad. Your bad is what you did to me or someone did to you. Your bad. And third, it's bad. Nobody's involved. It's just a bad thing. You got that? My bad, your bad, it's bad. I like it. So let's start with my bad. Things in my past I want to forget that are actually my fault. Forgetting those means I have to own them and learn from them. And the only way past my guilt because of my bad is to repent. In repent, I ask God to help me do a fearless moral inventory to face up to my bad. Psalms 139, verse 23, David says, Search me, O God, know my heart, see if there is any offensive way in me. And I need God's help to see because we're all blind. A man is deceived because he doesn't know he's deceived. And he'll never see. That's why you have to trust trusted friends close to you who have already proven love for you because you can't see it. You'll never see it. You have to accept it. And I know this gets old, but maybe you'll tell your grandchildren this. My grandfather used to tell me if three people call you a jackass, buy a saddle. (laughs) Everybody, every employer, every spouse is not wrong. You're not listening. God can speak through a donkey to a prophet, and he did. And God can speak to you through somebody in a job as an employer and be telling you what you won't hear. And God used them to speak truth to you. They could. (laughs) You know, God sounds an awful lot like my wife. (laughs) I know, I know. So we need help. So if my friends are telling me that, and they're going to, here's the thing about a friend, they're going to dress it down so low, you need to jack it up 10 degrees worse than they just said, because they're trying not to hurt you, because they love you, but they're trying to tell you the truth. So it's a whole lot worse than they just said. It's re- and if that hurt, it's really gross. That means it's really bad. And you need to say, well, if that's the way I'm coming off, and if that's what's besetting my life, I need to, I need to deal with it, acknowledge it, and work on it. You can't help an alcoholic until the alcoholic admits, I'm an alcoholic. Now you can get, now you can get help. Now you can get free. See? You, you, can't, you can't help anybody till you own it. Once you own it, you're on your way home, boy. You're on your way free. So I need God's help to see it. So what's the sin you most struggle with that keeps you from becoming the best self God wants you to be? The King James calls it my besetting sin. And for me, it's helping out too much around the house. <laughs> I'm only kidding. But my bad is what most people want to avoid. They just won't take any responsibility for any bad in their life. And here's what really ticks me off. They call it adversity. Most people call their bad, my bad, my, they call it, I'm going through adversity. But adversity is what you have to deal with when it's your bad or it's bad. Helen Keller had to deal with adversity 
Nelson Mandela had to deal with adversity. Jackie Robinson had to deal with adversity. Adversity is not the consequences of a shooting or a robbery you committed. That is the consequences of dumb choices. It's not their bad or it's bad, it's my bad. I did it and now I'm bearing the consequences of what I did. That's, that is not the definition of adversity, okay? And the only way past my bad is to repent. God, I don't want to be a person that's cruel, that hoards, that's selfish, that lies. Help me become the kind of person that doesn't do that anymore. I want to lay that at the foot of the cross and receive grace and mercy. And then start again. Second, then there's your bad. That's something you've done to me. Someone hurt you, betrayed you, insulted you, cheated you, and now you're filled with anger. And boy, do we live in an age of rage and free-floating anger. But the only way past your bad is to forgive. When I'm trapped in my bad, it's guilt. When I'm trapped in your bad, what you did to me, it's resentment. And the only way past resentment, I can forgive. You don't have to trust that person, but you must forgive that person. Make sense? You can forgive without trusting. If your husband runs off on you and has an affair and comes back, you have to forgive him if you're a believer, but you don't have to trust him. Trust has to be earned. And it's a whole lot harder to get it back than it is to get it at first. So resentment fills my soul with poison. I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to get even. I'm going to bring hurt to you. But when I forgive, I voluntarily surrender my right for revenge. What did Jesus say on the cross? I'll get you when I come back. (laughs) Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, right? Yeah, he didn't seek revenge. He could have. So I surrender my right for revenge. And many Christians have never learned to do it. Some of you live in homes or work in offices, or, and I know you're going to, well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, sit down with a cup of coffee, pull your hair and nag, and let me tell you what I've had happen to me. Mm-hmm. And you'll go whining away. You don't even compare. Every one of us can talk about theft and robbery and betrayal and false statements. I mean, dear Jesus, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you over 73 years, whatever. But big deal, big deal. I'm just saying, if you buy that, you're just, you're looking for some excuse to keep bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. That's what you're looking for. Well, you don't know. If you took inventory in this, just in this meeting right here, It would embarrass you to shame for you to say such a thing when you see what people in here have been through. And they're still here. (laughs) And they're still sane. And they're still loving Jesus. I mean, that's the grace of God. Come on. And you're over there sucking your thumb because somebody hurt you, did something bad to you. Welcome to life. Yeah. What did you think you were going to get, huh? Yeah. So I surrender my right to revenge. And some of you live in a home, maybe you work in an office, or you live in an environment where nobody ever says, I'm sorry. So forgiveness can take time, depending on the amount, degree of hurt or damages. You know, somebody cuts me off on 281, takes me about a second and a half, but a divorce or uh, defrauding by a partner might take a little bit longer to work through that, right? 
Colossians 3, verse 13, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against somebody. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So you don't forgive anybody because they deserve it. You, you, nobody deserves it. You forgive to escape the prison of your own resentment. See, when you don't forgive, you're drinking poison and hoping the person who hurts you dies. But you're the only one being tormented. So stop immediately and forgive. The third, and remember, it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's a choice. And you might have to do it a hundred times. That's fine. But there will, come the, there will come the time when, hey, I forgot it doesn't hurt anymore. You're past it. Big deal. Good. Third category. If I'm going to get past my past, I got to deal with it's bad. Not my bad, not your bad. It's bad. And that involves regret. Regret is an event or a situation that's disappointing to me because I contrast it with what might have been. If only I had taken that job. If only I had married that person. If only I hadn't married that person. See, I'm contrasting it with what I know would have made me happy. I think I told you this a few years ago, but a study of Olympic champions showed that gold medal winners were the happiest. Bronze medal winners were happier than silver medal winners because they almost didn't get a medal at all, and they're so grateful. Silver medal winners think, if only, I almost got the gold medal, and it leaves them with regret. What if I had gotten a gold medal? So their perspective of, if only, now traps them. And the only way out of, it's bad, is hope. The only way past regret is to believe God still has a bright future for you. When some people go through suffering, they never recover. They just live in a category called survive. They stay miserable year after year after year. And some people actually rebound. They recover the same vitality they had before they suffered. And some people not only recover but live at a higher level of meaning and purpose than they did before the suffering. And we say of those people, they are thriving. Now, research showed that if a child has been through four or more adverse childhood experiences, mental illness in a family, addiction, neglect, abuse, they're 12 times more likely to attempt suicide than somebody who is not. But in those same studies of over 17,000 people, there are some that not only recover, but thrive. And in every case where that happened, they had hope that their suffering still had meaning. That's what you see in the Bible. Joseph coming out of prison, Daniel fearless in the lion's den, David taken on Goliath, Paul in chains in prison singing praises to God at midnight because they all had hope. Paul's hope was not in his own ability to thrive. It's in a fourth path, not survival, not recovery, not thriving, but a fourth path that's been taken by only one, and it's there for you and me as believers. It was taken by a man named Jesus who suffered intensely on a cross, and on the third day came out of the depth of death in the resurrection. And Paul says, I'm betting the whole farm on that fact, and that's changing how I look at everything in my life. That's why he says, for I want to know Christ and participate in his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. That changes the way Paul looks at everything. So Paul says in Romans 8, verse 28, we know 
not hope, not thing. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. He does not say in some things, in some circumstances, in some problems, in some relationships, in some places. He said in all things. So wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you've done, God is at work to bring good out of it. And that's my path. No matter whether I get a setback or a delay or a powerful wound or hurt or obstacle, I still have hope. Hope for deliverance and eternal hope in a resurrection. Even if I lose my life, I have hope for the future. And it keeps you going. Paul says, this one thing I do to know Christ and not be trapped by my past, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining with every muscle in my body towards what is ahead, I press on to win the prize for which God called me. And folks, that's our life and that's our future. Thanks for joining us today and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.